Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, a podcast from The Independent on everything to do with love, sexuality, identity and more. This week I'm very excited to be joined by writer and broadcaster Camille Charrier. Camille is best known for her work in the fashion industry. She is the co-host of the Fashion No Filter podcast where she regularly interviews leading industry figures and she also does a lot of TV work within the fashion world in France. But the main reason I was so keen to talk to her was because of an article she wrote for Harper's Bazaar about falling in love in your 30s. If you haven't read it, I'll put the link in the show notes. In the episode, we discussed what made her want to write the article, the differences between dating in your 20s compared to your 30s, and why learning to compromise is not always the best advice when it comes to navigating a relationship. We also talked about why it is that people lose friends when they get into a serious relationship, which is something that people don't really discuss enough. Enjoy the show! Camille, how are you? Hi, Olivia, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, enjoying lockdown 3.0. How about you? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, not in, not enjoying this one so much. Um, <laughs> I have to say, lockdown two was was my favourite. The what the first was, the first I thought was really hard, and then the second I kind of got it, got that one covered, and now I'm now I'm really over it. Yeah, and it's I not think so much. Same. It's not even so much being at home, and because we've now perfected all our at-home routines and working remotely and Zooms and all of this. That's fine. It really is um, hanging out with my tier three friends and people that you know that I wouldn't normally run into unless I made a date, um, and just going to a restaurant and all the things that make life so enjoyable and just. It was fine for a minute, and now I'm just like, will we ever get get it all back? But we will, we will. I'm an optimist. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you have to cling on to optimism, don't you? Otherwise, it's just too bleak to even fathom to think. Well, this is just life now, just all lockdown. Like misery. you look at pictures of old pictures in clubs and stuff, and you're like, how are they going to let us do this again? They must, though. They must let us. <laughs> I know. I find the weirdest is when you're watching TV or films and you see people in club scenes or just like in a bar and you're like, oh, what does that feel like <laughs> to just I've go been, for a drink? I've, I've been getting judgmental of people in films. I watched something the other day and I was like, don't hug her. And then I was like, no, 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 it's okay. They're allowed to <laughs> So Camille, for those who don't follow you on Instagram, um, and if you don't, by the way, listeners, you absolutely should. She's one of my favorite people to follow. Uh, could you please start us off by explaining a bit about what it is that you do? It's the, it's the dreaded question. <laughs> and you know what? I know that, that I'm here today to talk about my love life. I can tell you that that is the, the one question that I always had to dance around when I got asked it by someone that I fancied because how do you explain and also like my friends always used to tell me that they knew when I was around people that I really liked because I would go into this whole backstory of everything I've ever done to justify the fact that now I earn my money via Instagram <laughs> but it's true like I have always found it really difficult to label what I, what it is that I do because so as you mentioned I have an Instagram account with a lot of followers, which obviously I monetize and helps me pay the bills. And as a result, have been labeled an influencer, a term that I don't love, but it's true. It does describe a part of what I do. Um, I also write, um, I, I'm a broadcaster. I have a podcast. I also have a TV show in France with a, a TV channel called Canal Plus. Um, and I mean, I also do some, I mean, I'm at, multi-hyphenate I mean I'm a slasher it's the generation of I do whatever I whatever I can get my hands on and um I've always struggled with that I come from a family where um everybody is um doing very serious things and my parents are both 
intellectuals in that they're not interested in business at all. So um, don't even get them started on the creative industry. They don't understand that. But even, even business, they don't really, really get. For them, like success is measured in sort of um, what stimulates you um, and what uh, makes you grow. They're both, one is, one is a teacher and the other is a, um, um, a chemist. So it's, 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 it's always been really difficult for me to kind of get to terms with what it is exactly that I do and be proud of it. And I think I really struggled with that when I was dating because I convinced myself that the reason I couldn't get a boyfriend was because of what I did for a living. I don't know if it's true, but it, it's certainly, I don't think it helps to have a huge chunk of your life um, that is basically um, being played out in such a massive way um, online and where you're kind of projecting a version of yourself, which isn't necessarily the version that you want people to know about when you've not even met them, mm. when they haven't had a chance to get to know you. But do you, think, do you time, think you were worried that men, sorry, I just want to ask, do you think you were worried that men would judge you for making a career out of social media? I think I was worried they would media? think I was an airhead. I think I was right. worried they would think I was an airhead. And it's funny because I think when I was a bit younger, I was a lot more arrogant about it. I think as I've gotten a bit older, I have actually, I mean, you are more arrogant in your twenties anyway, like suddenly in your thirties, you're like, whoa, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but it, I had this, I had, I think I was confident and I was proud of like the fact that I was one of the trailblazers in my industry and that I'd, I basically decided to leave my career in law and finance to go and do, um, to go and do fashion and then I then went from fashion to go and being a freelancer and all that in a very short period of time I started working in fashion age 26 and the reason I left my job um, was because I hated it it wasn't because I had a, any opportunities or anything and I just started like writing online it was a it was a really scary time for me because my parents were very upset with me they'd cut me off when I moved to London so I was sort of trying to survive in this city which is so expensive I didn't know anyone I had a boyfriend at the time who was English who was at Oxford but he was still studying and I was kind of bouncing around here on my own trying to like figure it out and it was it, I just remember finding it just really hard but but at the same time because I was working in this space that was so talked about and it was so new when I entered a, a room, people had so many questions for me. And I remember just everybody was, what's Instagram? How on earth are you earning money from it? Like, what is this thing? Fast forward, like, what is it, five years? And it's basically like our main tool of communication and how everybody's shopping, communicating, um, meeting people. I mean, it's it's huge, but back then it really wasn't anything much. So. It's, it's funny how it's become such a defining part of who I am. And, and with, with men, or even with just people in general when I was meeting them, it's so funny because I never wanted people to know before I got talk. And I would always do this kind of dance, which is like, yes, well, I mean, I, I, um, I and it just gets embarrassing, you know? Like my, my close friends would say to me, like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be so embarrassed about what you do, you should own it. And I have to say, it's taken me meeting someone that actually accepts me for what I am to, to truly internalize those feelings and realize how harsh on myself I was being. So it's yeah. interesting, because I think the space in which you occupy is in many ways, it's much more female dominated space. And I think that kind of fear of like imposter syndrome of thinking, that men are going to think that you're vapid because of what it is that you do is obviously it's such a but it's not just men I mean I'm for, I'm sure this we, I mean we could we could like Freud wouldn't need very long to like dissect this situation but I'm sure it's also because of like the way I would go home having like just like you know had a massive interview in Vogue or having just been sat at dinner next to Bernard Arnault at like an incredible LVMH dinner or something and some, my parents would say to me like, are you ever planning on using your law degree? Are you ever planning on using? And I just feel like this is just never gonna be good enough, is it? And because I saw myself through their eyes, you, you still often measure your success through the eyes of the people that, that care the most about you. Totally. Um, I think I really struggled to, um, 
to, to see that the work that I did did have value. Um, and, and I have yeah, to, I it even... just with men. I think it was with yeah. everyone. I think it was, I think I really, I think I really, um, I really have found it hard. And even now, I'm not saying I've got it figured out. I, I still find it hard. Um, pe people will come up to me. People will come up to me often when they're drunk at parties and say things like, oh, like, you're not at all how I thought you would be. Or like, you know, I always have to defend you because like, you're so much better in person. And it's like, people don't realize how much that hurts, how much those kind of things stay with you. That doesn't go away, you know, when when people say that kind of thing to you, like basically you're you're better in real life than what you're projecting online, which thank God, I would rather be better in real life. And of course I'm better in real life. Online is just some warped reality anyway. It's a curated version and it's work also. Yeah. It's, not even, it's not real and I know that, but a lot of people still don't. So it, it, mm. it yeah, it, it's... Yeah, comments like that really do stick. Like, I think um, I'm just reminded of when a guy I was dating for a while dumped me and he was kind of giving me his, like, explanation, which is obviously one of those painful things that, you know, you have to hear. Um, and he was saying, you know, I think, um, I think we're just not really very compatible and, you know, but I think you're really hot and funny. But, um, you know, I just don't think we would be together. And still now, you know, this is two years later, when I hear hot and funny, you know, those are two lovely things to lovely say about thing. someone. Really but, all I, but all I hear is hot, funny, not clever. So superficial, vapid, obsessed yeah. with fashion. Like, all you know, the things that I write about, it's fashion and dating and sex. Yeah. It's, you know, ostensibly it could be seen as superficial. And all I heard from this guy who went to Oxford and was super clever was like, mm. you're not as clever as me, therefore, see you later. And it was just like, oh, it just really scarred me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. And like those early relationships really do define how you continue on to dates. I mean, that breakup that I had with this guy, he's the person that I'd moved to England for. We went out for about four and a half years. And for me, when, and this was between the age, so I must've been from 22 to probably about 26. It was just before I left my career in the city to go into fashion. And um, I thought I was gonna marry him. And when we broke up, which was one of the tra most traumatic experiences in my life, <laughs> still is, um, I, it, took me, it took me a really long time to get over that. The reason I wanted to get you on the show uh, was because you wrote this brilliant piece in Harper's Bazaar about what it feels like to fall in love in your 30s. So let's start with that. Um, and if you would mind explaining what it was that made you actually just want to write that piece in the first place. I mean, I think I wanted to write the piece um, because I was single for seven years after this breakup that I was telling you about. I used to be a serial monogamist before this guy I'd had being, I, I, I grew up in France where the dating rules are very different to here. You kind of float in and out of relationships incredibly easily because there's none of this sort of stages and labels. You know, you start off with, we're, we're seeing each other, we're exclusive, we're dating, we're boyfriend, we're girlfriend, we're married. We're, and you know, here there are all these, you have to have these conversations. Whereas in France, kiss someone at a party, sleep with them a few times, you're together. And that could be for two years, two months, two weeks, two days, it doesn't matter, it's the same thing. Not saying that it's perfect, people cheat a lot. There's like that culture deeply ingrained, that's just a cultural thing. And it's not just men, it's girls as well. It's it's very well known, um, but it's, it's just how it is. So when I came out of this relationship that ended very, very badly, I was very scarred and at the same time I, I, I basically um, um, drowned myself in work and then my career took off which was great because that was a distraction but for seven years I was I, I, I mean I don't think I was a mess for seven years but certainly for the first two three four years after being single I was a big mess and then after that I think when I was sort of or I thought ready for someone new really struggling to meet people or meet the right person. And when I did meet someone that I really loved and with whom things connected and clicked just really quickly, things were very easy. 
And when the pandemic started and I was talking to some of my single friends, and this is really why I wanted to write the piece, I just, I just remember like how stressful and lonely and frustrating it is when you're trying to talk to your friends about how you feel and everybody just says you know like oh don't worry it's going to be okay like don't worry like when when like you have to not look you have to just wait for the right person to come along and and when you when when you, you'll find him you'll just know and it's just like what are you on about like it's and it, it I just remember just feeling like it was never going to happen for me and it was happening to all the women I knew around me. And that's why I wanted to write the piece, not because I wanted to give lessons to anyone or be preachy. I wanted to give people like that little nugget of hope that it's still there. We, we've been all falling in love for centuries and it's not a pandemic that's gonna change that. Doesn't mean that things are easy at the moment, but it's also, it's good to remember that like, that, that love is out there. It always has been, it always will be. And, it, and that's kind of the message that I wanted to get across. Mm. I think it's really, it's, it's a really um, easy to empathize with kind of piece because you don't just kind of talk about it from, like you said, like a preachy point of view because you're, you're engaged now for people who don't um, know that listening to the show, but you're not, it's not like you're coming at it being like, I know everything because now I'm gonna be happy forever. It's like you really delve into you know mistakes that you made in your 20s which everyone makes in their love lives in their 20s in love and like you know chasing after the wrong people but you know that's part of it like that's how you learn so and it's and it's hard because trying not to be preachy not not only in the article but especially with my friends that are still single when they tell me about like you know this guy that they're chatting to who like has you know who's not single but like and you just think god like this is me this is what I was doing a few months years ago and I think it's really hard to help um someone see when they are um forming attachments with people that are unavailable and we always do it when we're kind of not ready to put in the work and falling in love really really taught me that because when I met this guy that I'm with I had to change a lot of things about myself not saying I had to change completely as a person this is also why I don't necessarily agree so much with everybody that says like do the work on yourself and then you'll meet someone I think of course it helps if um if you're more in tune to who you are and um and if you've kind of um, started um, looking at the issues that that you've kind of developed when growing up because we do we you know like we 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 form attachments and relationships with people and those going to affect us for the rest of our lives and and unless you unpick those things like you you will continue to make those mistakes so I do I'm a big advocate for therapy like I've been in therapy on and off since I was very young because when I was 17 I got really badly depressed and my parents didn't know how to cope with it and thankfully I met this incredible therapist who just helped me how to talk my way out of it which I think has given me tools for the rest of my life because it happens and especially with the pandemic that I go through roller coasters of periods where I'm feeling really very low and I know that that's I you know like I just need to go and get help and I do um, and in getting that help, I've also been able to like work on a lot of things that I think have been issues for me, you know. You wrote in the piece that you kind of, in your 20s, you only allowed yourself to fool the men that showed no interest in you. Um, no. I think that's something that a lot of people can identify with, including myself. Uh, do you think that's something that women are more predisposed to do than men? I think so, but not everyone does. It's, I think guys do it too. I definitely have guy friends that do that. It's, it's different because guys hate to admit this, but like they kind of do have the power. Like you get told all the time, like you've got to play the game. You mustn't be too keen. You mustn't answer his message. You mustn't blah, blah, blah. You must, it's exhausting. And I remember I never followed any of those rules. Like I was, if I want, if I figured that I wanted, if I liked someone, I would, make things happen to try and get him interested. Obviously it never works <laughs> because you can't really get someone interested in you. The fact is someone is interested or they're not. Um, but 
I don't know if it's women that do it more than men. I think we're not that different. It's just that the way the structure of, is it the patriarchal society? I don't know if it's, I mean, it must be. It's just, we've been told that we have to be pretty and wait for someone to just come along and choose us. And if you are too keen, too successful, too, too loud to to anything that they're, they're going to run away and I mean I really hate that idea and I have to say like the person that I've met I've the reason I think I'm so happy with him is that although I've had to do a lot of work on some of the things that perhaps were a little bit dysfunctional about me he a hundred percent a hundred percent doesn't want to change me in in any sense of the word so the things I've changed I've changed them because I've realized that it's going to make me happier not because he's wanted me to be different and that is I think a very big difference Mm, yeah totally and I think you're right about what you said about the patriarchy it's like culturally women are taught that yeah you are the needy ones you are the one that needs to change yourself you are the one that can't be too keen but you're right like you know when the roles are reversed if if a guy is too keen that can easily girls don't like it either yeah when I was single and guys were basically when anybody liked me I'd be like no thank you he's texting me he's being really nice no I don't want that one and my friends would be like I don't get it Cam like can't you at least date him and I'd be like no 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 I want that one that for six months has said that he doesn't want me the William in my article Because, yeah, it's just the way we treat ourselves, the way we see ourselves is what we expect others to to do. And if someone is being nice to you, but you don't really like yourself, you're going to not trust them. You're going to think, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? If he likes me, then then he's not he's got he's got issues basically yeah it's also I think it's also about the way that the kind of the chase and the pursuit of like unrequited love is made to seem so exciting and meaningful and dramatic in popular culture that it's it's something we crave it's a distraction like I've realized that now it's taken me a really long time and being in a relationship and realizing how hard a relationship is a relationship is made of a lot of compromise it's not at all as like, well, especially in a pandemic where you're really literally having to dance around each other in one room and, you know, like just basically being, because a lot of like, a lot of the attraction relationship is like that, like missing each other and, you know, like forming desire by like, um, you know, like creating that, that missing, that wanting obviously we can't do any of that now. And you mentioned, so you mentioned William, who you talk about in the piece. Um, So for those who haven't read it, can you explain how, so he was someone who you were kind of chasing after who hadn't expressed any interest in you, but you, you did, you, you were determined, which again is something that I think. He didn't express no interest. He didn't express no interest. He, he didn't string me along, but we, we did like sleep together a few times. And I mean, it's, it, 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 I, I used him as an example because there were several like him throughout the years and it was always the same, but none was, none was as intense for me as he was. I think with time I got better at like regulating myself, but it did last for about a year and a half. And it was, there was nothing going on between us, nothing. And I wouldn't date anyone else. I would, I would, I would make sure to run into him. I would, I would befriend all of his best friends so that I would know like where he'd be. And I didn't even do it like, it wasn't even done in a kind of like, I wasn't being like super, I mean, obviously I was stalking and stuff, but it was, I can't really explain it. I didn't do it like thinking like, okay, this is how you're going to get him. It's like, that's all I wanted. Mm. And it. I don't think I even did it like thinking I was going to get him in the end. It's just, there wasn't anything else that I wanted to do. And all my friends who were trying to say to me like, like look at all these incredible guys that are like interested in you and that want to date you and I just couldn't see it I just couldn't and I think that's also when you realize that you're a little bit of a commitment phobe and people would say this to me they were like I think you're probably not ready and I was like of course I'm ready like I've look I've been in very serious relationships I've had my heart broken I've rebuilt myself of course I'm ready but that doesn't make you ready that just that just means that you want to be with someone it's it's Mm. two different things I think it's so interesting in that situation because the more you kind of become infatuated with someone, 
who isn't necessarily giving you the response that you want and the longer it goes on for it kind of becomes less about the person and more about the narrative you've created in your head doesn't it you project the idea of what a relationship is onto them and because you because it's not real because it's not a real relationship it becomes gigantic because I think a real relationship is so much more complex and you have much less control in a real relationship because when the other person is a real person, they're obviously, they obviously are very complex and they have like their own set of wants and needs and desires. And you can't just pigeonhole them into whatever you think a relationship is. Mm. You have to, what I said earlier, you have to compromise on yeah. a lot of things. And it's being in a relationship that has made me realize that actually a lot of the things I thought a relationship was going to be in my thirties, because obviously in, in your twenties, it's very different. You're, 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 I think you're much more of an idealist in your twenties. You want the passion, you want, you know, like that never ending, like you want to always be around each other. And like, it, it almost hurts being in love. It, it's painful and you're very jealous and you get very like, you're very needy. You, you're always picking fights. They're very dramatic. Like you, you can cry yourself to sleep. I, I don't do any of that now. And sometimes I wonder, I'm like, it's weird because I've, I've never felt this in love with anyone. And I thought that I was going to have to deal with all those issues for the rest of my life, being like jealous and, 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 and all those many, many not very nice qualities um but it's not the case because when you meet someone that actually meets you in the middle and treats you with respect you don't have to behave like that anymore it's very it's much more level-headed and it's and it's much easier and I think that's what people mean when they say it's easier they don't mean the relationship is easy they don't mean like you don't come across all these really really intense hardships that make up life. There are lots of them. And that's what my mum always used to tell me. She always said to me, like, she was like, you, you're always trying to pick these men that are fun or loud. She's like, you need to pick someone nice who's a rock because life is really hard. And you need someone who's gonna be by your side no matter what, because it's going to be difficult. And I mean, we've, we've, we've gone through a year and a half now and it's been we've only been going out for about a year and a half and my partner lost his mother in in um, January last year and it was followed by a pandemic and being locked up when you've just lost a parent not being able to see his two siblings uh, and they don't have a dad so the whole thing was the whole thing was very difficult and I think that just made us stronger it, I'm not saying it was easy. It's not, it, it, it's still not easy. Um, and even being sort of newly engaged, I didn't expect all these ideals that I had when I was younger about what it would be to be engaged. I mean, we've not even been able to have our friends around for drinks. Most of my friends haven't even seen us together, even though like we've been together for a year and a half because we haven't been able to because of the pandemic. And that's fine because like we've just had to deal with what life throws at us. And I'm confident in the fact that that's what a relationship is. It's a partner with who you just have, to, it's companionship, you know, it's, it's someone to, to get through it all. And I think that's what a real relationship is. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I don't know if this is like hard facts, 
But having spoken to most of my friends that are single throughout what's happened to them throughout this time, most of them found someone to um, bubble up with for the first lockdown, went into this really intense love bubble up until the second lockdown and early whatever it was when we got let out. And then it's all burst apart like in this third lockdown. And it's like everything has been heightened and I think it's been really hard for relationships to get off the ground because individually what we're going through is so hard. I mean, I don't know about you, but my, my emotions are so up and down. And on some days I'm literally like the most grateful person in the world. And like, I only see the positives and I'm, I'm, I, I'm able to really take like all the tiny little things that make a day great. Like, you know, I'll be, I'll be like walking down the street and I'll be like, oh my God, the sky's so blue and I'm so happy I live in London and I'm so lucky. And then the next day I'm just can't get out of bed. I mean, and I've always been like that. I'm very, I've all, it's something, it's, it, it, I've always felt, I get these really high, these really natural highs and then these really big lows, but I've never wanted to kind of, when I have been, very low people always trying to say to me like maybe you need to like you know like um um uh, regulate that medically and i'm always like i don't really want to because the highs that i get are great and and i think it, it is about just you know finding that balance between the two and learning like you know learning how to develop your own mechanisms to cope with that because mm. i i'm so similar to that i have such such like irrational highs and lows and I think that really affects my relationships as well. Um, I mean, for example, I took my kitten to the vet yesterday and just for vaccines, like for her first vet appointment. And I was so overwhelmed with emotion. I was uh, in separation anxiety. I was crying outside the vet for like half an hour on my own. <laughs> and, then, and then I was in such a bad mood all day. It's like, I have, but then, you know, today I've you know I've been like oh like you said the sun is so bright and I'm so grateful and look at my beautiful little kitten and it obviously affects the way you are in relationships as well I wonder if that's I, it's so I'm always funny told... because my boyfriend I I admire him a lot because he's actually gone through a lot um these last few years like I I would say arguably more so than I have but but he doesn't put any of his shit onto me like he doesn't allow his mood to be um to affect me and it's funny because I think I used to have savior complex I always used to want I'm a very optimistic and I I, I think I'm a very like it, on a good day obviously but I think I'm someone that um can bear a lot and I always ended up with very dark characters and I always felt that I was going to be the one to like you know save them bring them bring them bring them back to to being happy or whatever it is and obviously you can't do that the only person that can help um you is yourself always that's a fact um but with this situation the most interesting part of it is that when Francois like started having things um that were complicated in his life instead of making me feel like I had to bear them with him I remember having a conversation with him where he was like, um, yeah, obviously I'm going through all of this, but don't worry, like, um, you've got your own shit to handle. Like, I, I, why don't you, why don't you basically deal with that? And I remember it was this really like hard moment where I realized, shit, I'm gonna have to deal with my own, because obviously I have a lot of unresolved issues and things that I've been pushing off and I think that's also what I did throughout my 20s I distracted myself with everything with work with men with traveling I was doing so much and I think I was doing that so as not to feel I think I was not happy and I think I was basically trying to distract myself into oblivion because I was trying to like do like yeah just not think about the things that that needed fixing within me and I would surround myself with people that um, had problems that were bigger than mine so as to help focus on theirs and spend hours on the phone with girlfriends, you know, trying to fix them and trying to help them and introducing them to therapists. And, 
And it was, it took this guy like, you know, saying to, and he, and as I said, he does have real things. Like losing a parent is a huge thing to go through. Like, and, and I'm not gonna go into his issues because those are him, but those are his, but it took him saying, like, you know, like lifting that off my shoulders and saying like, no, no, babe, like, this is not on you. This is my shit. I'm gonna deal with that. You go and look at your stuff because believe me, there's a lot of it. And it was, it was, that for me was, a revelation and it's not that I didn't know that before it's just that I I don't think I wanted to I don't think mm. I wanted to look at my own problems I don't think I wanted to admit like even the things we were talking about at the very early um uh, the very beginning of this episode like how my relationship with my work made me feel like all these things that I have to deal with in order to become myself and and, and a better person and to stop like berating myself like well, first of all, you have to face them head on. If you're gonna pretend that they're not there, you're never gonna deal with them. So yeah, I think it's, that's a big part of like finding a healthy balance in a relationship. Yeah, I think it's such a healthy balance to, to try and strike the difference between like dealing with your own shit and being there for your partner to a degree, but not becoming the sole person with whom they depend on, because then that obviously affects your dynamic. And then it's like, well, it's almost like there's a, then a, a shift in the power dynamic where it's like well one person is the carer and one person is the kind of yeah suffering and also, in a way and also being codependent I think in your 20s you strive for codependent relationships you know you can't live without each other and the highs and lows are so intense and I think that that just doesn't doesn't really work in the real world because you don't have time for a codependent relationship it's just too exhausting mm. um Finally, I want to ask you about having different interests with a partner, because I know that this is something you've oh spoken God. about <laughs> on Fashion No Filter, which I love. And I remember you spoke on the show about how you and your fiancé have quite different tastes in films. And that is something that I can it's relate to so much. It's not the only issue that we have. We have look, this is going to sound very first world problems, but we're very in love and very happy. Let me just start by saying that. But... We've been having big issues. The number one issue is choosing a film. And this sounds really trivial, but it's not because it is a pandemic. And actually what we wanna, what we're doing in the evening is basically the only thing that we're doing when we're not working. So he's, he's a film producer and a director and he is, um, he's got incredible taste and, and loves to dive into like old movies and has watched all like um, all old school cinema and Japanese cinema and everything and I'm like can we watch chick flick or can we watch like reality tv and we just couldn't agree on that and the only thing that we've been able to find to make this okay because it has actually created really big problems in our relationship where we've been really upset with each other is that we're now in a situation where one of us watches something on the big TV whilst the other one lies next to them and watch something on the laptop with the speakers on because I sulk if I'm made to watch something that I don't want and he's very upset with me if he has to watch something that he doesn't like. So we've just realized that that's not gonna work. I mean, films is a small thing. One of the other things that we found we really don't agree on and which I think is a much bigger thing because the film, whatever, like once the pandemic is over, we can both go our separate ways and see our mates in the evening and it's going to be great. But we have found that we really don't agree on where we, where we like to go on holiday. Again, sounds trivial, but again, your holiday is the one time in your year where you sort of, you know, you pick and choose somewhere to just to, to go and, relax and you obviously want it to be perfect and he's a surfer he only wants to go where there are waves and he only ever wants to go where there are waves at a certain time of year whereas all I want to do is go to the Mediterranean or go and eat pasta in Italy and relax and it's it's been complicated when we first started going out um he wanted to go to Bali for the summer and we'd, we'd, we'd just fallen in love. We were madly in love. And I hadn't been in love for seven years. And we got into this really big argument because he wanted to go to Bali. And I said, I'm not going to Bali in the summer, like Europe, we go to Europe in the summer. This is why we live in Europe. If not, I would live in New York. We have 
all these incredible destinations on our doorstep. You can go to Greece, you can go to Italy, you can go to France, you can go to Portugal, you can go to Sicily. Like, it's all amazing. Everywhere you go, there's a different culture, there's a different language, there's different food. It's, it's mind-blowing and it's easy. And, and it's also like my favorite thing to do. It, it's just one of the great joys of life to being able to, God, Brexit, anyway. Um, but you're right. Uh, it's also it's, it, like going on holiday is so important because like you said, it it's, about how it really you, it's about how and you, you relax think, together. And you don't think that it is, but we we got into a huge tiff and I thought it might end the relationship because well, it almost did. And in the end, we agreed that I would go to Ibiza, he would go to Bali. And it was a very, it was a very testing moment for our relationship because I kept on saying to my girlfriends, I don't think this is normal. Like we've, we're really, really in love. We should be wanting to spend our first holidays together. But I think that's what made us because actually admitting that we didn't want the same thing, but also admitting that neither of us was prepared to compromise on that thing. Because for me, a holiday is very important. To him, a holiday is very important. And we both agreed that for, for various reasons, we I needed to be somewhere where I was going to be able to run into some friends and, you know, do the things I wanted to do. He needed to be able to surf. And it was admitting that that was something that we were not able to compromise on, on where on other things we are, on that we are not. Well, that's, and that's something that we've now agreed on. And now I let him go off and do his surfing holidays and I go and do things with my girlfriends. And it was a big thing for us to admit because couples, a couple's retreat is really important part of a relationship. But we've now realized that unless we give ourselves that time where we each can go to the things that we want to go and do, it's not going to work between us. Yeah, so it's so it's it's really good that you recognize that so early as well, because I think if you keep trying to find a compromise, which is what we're kind of told to do, like, you know, relationships yeah. are all about compromise and to a degree it is. But also, like you said, it's so important to recognize the things that actually, you know what, it's just not going to work for us to compromise yeah. on this particular thing, because those individual things mean too much to us, you know, whether it's like yeah. where you go on holiday or films or anything, really. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because that that article that I wrote for Harper's, you know, when I posted that picture of him in the bath, he doesn't really like that I post too much about him on Instagram. And he'd specifically told me, do not post that picture to Instagram. And on the day the article came out, I, I wanted to share something that felt intimate to accompany the piece because, because it had taken me a really long time to, to go that deep into my relationship. And I wanted it to feel like I was sharing something. And he came home, he was furious with me. He was like, I told you not to post that, blah, blah, blah. And he hadn't, written the, he hadn't read the article. And, um, and I really thought we were going to be in trouble over that. And he came, he came back and he said, look, I've read, I've read the article. And not only am I um, really happy to see that like you've, you've done this, but also like, it's nice to have someone that actually doesn't always do exactly what I tell her. And it was that weird thing where I think there is something to be said of standing your ground, not time. Not all the time, like obviously a relationship is made up of compromise, but you also have to know what's good for you. What are the things that are important to you? And you can't always be a yes person. You also have to know where your boundaries lie. And sometimes you have to push their boundaries because it, that you can't always be agreeing to what someone else wants you to do. Okay, so it's time for our lessons in love segment of the show. I think we've spoken about quite a lot of lessons during the episode anyway, um, but is there anything else you have left to share, Camille, like something you've learned from your previous relationship experiences perhaps about love? I've learned more than anything that you can't change people and that it's not your job to change people. Even if you think you're doing it to help them and to, to make them feel better or um, anything, basically, um, it's not going to work. The only person that can change someone is themselves. And you are going to exhaust yourself by trying to make someone um, uh, become whatever you think that they need to be. And I think this is why I spend a lot of time dating people that were younger than me. People would always tell me that it wasn't going to work. And I kind of never... How much really younger? Like a few years much, or...? Mm, younger. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of snogging 21 year olds on the dance floor. But I mean, it's, it was also because I think, um, it was also because I think it was just fun. But the truth is, I think we all develop at different stages and you need to meet someone that is at the same stage as you because you're not gonna be able to pull someone out. You know, when someone is not ready, they're not ready. It's not because they haven't met the right person necessarily. It could also just mean they're just not there yet. And I think you always automatically thinking that you're gonna be the person that's gonna make them feel differently. It's not, it doesn't work like that because the variables in someone's life are not just about finding the perfect partner. You know, your family comes into that, your job comes into that, your, your where you live comes into that. All these really big things are going to have a very serious um, impact on who you are at any given time. And sometimes if someone's not replying or not giving you back what you want, it could just be that they've just got a lot going on that they have to deal with. And it's got nothing to do with you. And so I think it's about letting go and realizing that Focus on yourself and that will attract the right kind of people around you. Yeah, it's funny how you mentioned about the age thing, because I think that is also actually quite relevant in a way, because age differences in relationships, they only matter, you know, if it's more than five years or so. They only matter if, like you said, you are at different stages in your life. So obviously yeah. a 21 year old is going to be at a completely different stage in their life to a 30 year old. And it's not about that, but, but not necessarily because if it's a 21 year old that's, I don't know, had like a massive career burst and like, I don't know, has become a pop star, whatever, and is not going to be able to connect with anyone their age because no one understands what they're going through. Maybe it would be someone a little bit older that would work for them. So I think age is not what matters. It's where you are in that development stage. And that's why age matters in the sense that when we are a bit younger, we do tend to develop more or less at the same stage. You know, like you, you're at university, you get your first boyfriend, your first love, it, you, your first breakup, you, and you're all kind of going through that more or less at the same time. And then suddenly real life hits, and then it's just, you're in the big, big, big world, and it's no longer, it just doesn't work like that anymore because we all then, um, you know, like we don't all get, the same job opportunities you know like you don't fall in love at the same time anymore you don't have kids at the same time like all these things that I mean that's the thing that I'm finding right now there is a big difference between how I'm living my life and my girlfriends that, that have got children and I, I I can see how how the gap has you know just just um expanded between our lives and that's not to say we don't still get along and we obviously still do but it's true that we are at completely different stages i there are some aspects of her of their lives that i just cannot relate to even though i i want to i desperately want to understand what they're going through to be able to be there for them but as as a single person you just can't you yeah. can't understand what it's like having to like manage like children and having to doing homeschooling and not having any time for yourself and having to get up every morning when they decide that they want it it's a completely different life it's a completely mm. different life and that's okay but that that's what I mean I think like the the stages that we develop at are what what we need to listen to when we are looking for our relationships and I mean for our friendships as well I mean I've had a very painful year in terms of having to shred some friendships because having having done a lot of work and having spent some time you know sort of trying to grow up a little bit I had I have had to admit that a lot of the relationships that I were cultivating in my friendships were incredibly toxic and they just were not able to come with me not because I didn't want them to but because they were not they didn't want to the mirror that I was giving off of like where I was going was not what they wanted and I've really struggled with that because I've, I didn't expect that meeting a boyfriend would mean losing friends, but it has. And mm. it's not something that I've done. I don't think I've become that person who has met someone and therefore everything has become about my relationship. It's not that. It's just that suddenly you're no longer the fun single friend that's always available, that's always on the phone, that's always like mm. up for a night out, that's like crying because she's not feeling 
great because a guy, another guy has ghosted her and suddenly you're building something completely different and you're not able to relate in the same way as you used yeah. to. I think that makes a lot of sense though. And it's also, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's a natural part of growing up and, and you know, just getting older and let changing, changing as your life changes. But also I think a lot of friendships that we have you know that we have friends for different things we might yeah. just have friends that are just great for going out with and partying with but mm. those aren't necessarily the friends that we are going to carry with us through the rest of our lives because they aren't as deeply rooted as some of our other friendships that are based more on like mutual understandings of the world you know and yeah, those yeah, are the yeah. ones that are going to last the difference and that's okay like it's okay to have friends for different things but it is something that's not I mean that's not talked about much that when you meet someone and suddenly settle down there is a lot of loss that happens in your life at the same time because people that were bouncing around with you and that were always there for you and so supportive of the single version that, of yourself suddenly are not interested anymore and that hurts, it does hurt. You suddenly think, whoa, um, I didn't realize that that was a condition. Yeah. And it, 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 it uh, yeah, it's, it's painful. And I think I've spoken to a lot of my friends who've gone through something similar, who've, who've lost female friends when they've, when, they've, um, when they've met their partner and who've really, who've really um, taken, taken a while to get over those losses because mm. we don't really talk about losing friends as much as we do about heartbreak and it's I think it's just as hard if not harder losing a friend that's it for today thank you so much for listening if you're a new listener to this show you can subscribe to us on apple podcasts spotify acast or anywhere else you can comment and leave us a rating too so that more people can find us keep up with everything to do with the show on instagram just search millennial love see you soon Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 